Introducing the new way to play daily fantasy with Jock Market. That's Jock M-K-T. Jock Market is where daily fantasy sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. The NFL is now live. You can also jump into the NBA and PGA contests. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jock Market now in the App Store. The Android's coming soon. Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Tuesday. It's the 22nd of September. We're officially into week three. And Emery Hunt is here. Emery, what's up, man? What's cooling, man? I'm I'm doing fine on this side of the world, man. How about yourself? I feel like you can retire right now. Uh, oh, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Uh, based on, on James Robinson alone, you just be like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go float away somewhere. You know, man, sometimes you just, you just shoot and you hope the, the shot goes in, you know? I feel like that's not how you play. <laughs> I feel like just knowing you, uh, I think it's you know the shot's going to go in. You know, like I said in the comments, man, it, on my latest article on The Athletic Fantasy. Nice plug. There you go. Nice plug. You know, it's just sometimes you, you get lucky, and we talked about it. We gave options, and I, I guess where I hit was the fact that I told people this is the option I would choose if it were up to me, and that's the option that's playing out in Jacksonville to success. Yeah, you're actually, it was funny. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Read his column today. It was very funny. Um, we got a lot to talk about. There were a lot of injuries, and I think I, I feel like I stumped the czar yesterday when I'm like, can you give me a Giants wide receiver who's kind of UDFA or not really well known, um, and you didn't have one. I don't know if I stumped you or if there just isn't one, right? Like, there just there, isn't one. Yeah, there, there's a couple of guys that I like, but they have to get called up first. I like Austin Mack from Ohio State and his teammate Benjamin Victor, the taller guy, from Ohio State, but they are both on the practice squad and they have to get called up in order to be effective. But funny, you brought up injuries, right? And it, it's a quick segue because I tweeted out the other day when someone got hurt, like, man, they're going to cancel the season. The injury is going to cancel the season before COVID does. <laughs> so everybody, just like you did, everybody chuckle, laugh, retweet, comment, like, man, you're right, you're right. There's always one. One dude jumps in like, really? Cancel the season? Come on, man. You say some outlandish things. I'm like, bro, out of everyone that commented on this tweet, you are the one that just missed the entire sarcasm or the entire tongue-in-cheekness of the of the comment. There's always one. Then always. he tried, then he tried to backpedal um and was like, Well, you know, I'm just saying, like, you you've made some outlandish things on the NFL before you say some outlandish things on here. I'm just that's just another, you know, it would be interesting to see if, if we had a show together, if we could, uh, you know, it would be going back and forth. I was like, bro, okay. Yeah, but that's all you can say. I yeah. don't even know why, like, you reply, like, why do you reply to this? Like, sometimes, like, they catch you at the right time, man. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, a good day. <laughs> yeah, you, you, are, you, are you just, like, in the mood and you just kind of, like, like somebody yesterday brought up uh, Tua and was like, you know, is Tua ready, blah, blah, blah. And somebody tagged me and a bunch of my cohorts in that tweet. And somebody else jumped in. I guess he's a fellow Dolphins fan. It was like, yeah, I'm going to trust a guy that had Jalen Hurts uh, rated ahead of Tua Tagovailoa. I was like, I hope Tua sees this, you simp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just, like, wasn't going to respond. But somebody jumps in with something that's just like 
completely like don't knock my scouting chops you, you know yeah yeah so if anything you better take heed to what i'm saying you see jalen hurts already moved up to number two on the depth chart so we'll find out eventually I'm not saying they should bench carson Wentz, but we'll find out if hurts gets the chance to play and Tua gets the chance to play then that'll be the determinant factor you know when uh w- w- i mean is Hertz going to be that kind of guy who pops in for like a series in the second quarter with, you know, 414 left? Uh, is that how we're going to kind of see him get weaved into the game? You know how sometimes they just let let the backup go in for I mean, it's not like it's not like he's a wildcat and he's just going to run stuff like that. But I mean, is, is this going to be something where they just like a little change of pace just to pop him in there, see what's up and then go back to Wentz? I doubt it, man, because Wentz is so, you know, they they, they don't even have they have to they had to take down all the pictures of. Nick Foles winning the championship in the facility, you know, just because, <laughs> well, really? yeah, just because it would make, you know, Wentz feel some kind of way. So, no. I mean, hell, they got a statue of <laughs> Foles and, and Doug Peterson, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't see them playing around with Hurts unless Wentz is completely ineffective or gets injured. Uh, knock on wood, you hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, um, but I don't see them. They put in Hertz last week, and he just ran like a flare out. And it was just like a decoy, right? And so that's about oh. it. Uh, you know, um, I didn't want to go there, but you brought up Foles, and it got me thinking about the Bears. Uh, Mitch Trubisky. This week before the games, people were like, "Hey, Mitch Trubisky, sleeper. You know, he he's, could be in the top five, could be in the top ten. Um, how's that looking when you when you look at the Bears? What's the what's the Emory take on the Bears right now?" They're getting by, man. They're, they're, you know, there's like passing class with C pluses. You know, I know you're not happy about the Tariq Cohen usage. Yeah, but at least they got the man a new contract, which tells you they do plan to use him at some point in the season. You don't give him an extension if you don't have a plan for him. Uh, but credit to David Montgomery for having a, a really good week. He was running real well against the Giants, so kudos to him. He had a hot, he had the hot hand, so you have to feed him. Um, but as far as the pass, Trubisky is the one that keeps you from buying all in on the bears because it can go either way on any given Sunday. He's like the, you know, he, he's so streaky. You look at how he started against the giants juxtaposed to how he finished against the giants. It's like, man, he's just not, it, it, you can't trust him. If it wasn't that, I mean, that game was, that was, they, they were beating the giants in the first 10 minutes, you know, like exactly. Is there somebody, maybe he was just like, all right, let's just coast. Let's no, not no, use no. all he, the bullets. He can't afford to coast. He he is the only one that has to finish the whole test. Even though the teacher said, "Hey, are you going to answer the first seven? No, Trubisky, you answer all twenty-five of the questions on the. You need all the extra credit you can get. Right. Stay after stay after practice and take a hundred foul shots, please. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, so on the Giants, I, I think a lot of people are kind of interested in this one because uh, Saquon Barkley obviously out. Um, I keep going back like. Wayne Gallman, I liked, I think like two years ago, he was coming out of Clemson. He had really good numbers in Clemson. Um, and I'm like, wow, Wayne Gallman could actually, could be something. And I think this was, this was before Saquon even got there. Um, and it ended up being like Orleans Darkwa. And I don't like Gallman was a rookie, whatever. Um, but it just seems like every time Wayne Gallman is given the chance, he doesn't have that 136 yard, two touchdown game where you're like, oh, this guy has arrived. Um, and now, you know, they're talking about Devontae Freeman coming in and, Devontae Freeman is basically, this is like the 32nd team he's visited now uh, in the last two weeks and hasn't come out with anything. Um, so, I mean, just what's Wayne Gallman's deal? I know, like, Deion Lewis can't be a 15-carry back, right? He's 
he's pass protection, third down, catch passes. What can can Wayne Gallman do this, or are we going to see like maybe Devontae Freeman, Lamar Miller end up with the Giants? Yeah, we may see someone else end up with the Giants, or they or may even be Rod Smith, who's on the practice squad, who they liked last year. Oh, and Rod Smith! Everybody loved Rod Smith when he was backing up uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Exactly. And outside of him wearing forty five, you know, he was really good. You know, with <laughs> like you said, backing up Zeke, and that the Giants liked him last year, and they have him on the on the practice squad. So um, he may get a call up. And it shows you what they do think of Gallman. They think of Gallman as a complimentary piece, and that's about it. Special team or complimentary piece. And sounds like how you describe Deion Lewis is that sounds like the guy you want in there all the time, right? He could, he could block, he can right. catch, right. he could run, you know. Um, so can I would he, say it's good. But I mean, can he be in there all the time? Is that like, does Deion Lewis have that uh, ability? I mean, it's it seems like he's maybe even pigeonholed as as the pass catching back because we did with the Pats and everything, but is he capable of being everything? He he will have to be with the Giants. And I do think he's capable of, of doing it, um, especially if they're going to go to this catch-and-shoot type, you know, passing game. Why not have your guy in there that can, that can you know, make you – that can make all five eligibles legit, you know? I'm talking about your tight end, your back, and your uh, three-wide receivers. And, or two wide receivers and your um, or maybe three wide receivers or two wide receivers and your quarterback. You want to make sure all all eligible guys are weapons. So why not have him in there? Especially if you're going to have him, you know, you're going to use the short passing game as a supplement to the run game. Let's say Devontae Freeman leaves New Jersey without a contract, and tomorrow Rod Smith gets called up. Uh, what would that tell you? Like, what would your order of, of maybe putting them on the waiver wire be? How would you how would you want to pick these three up? And let's say it's a PPR league. Lewis. Smith, Gallman. All right. So Gallman don't even get tricked into Gallman, basically. Yeah, don't get don't get tricked into Gallman. What is they he, tried that before. Not good. Is that it? He just can't handle the NFL. He could. He's good. It's just that he's just you know. I think what happened with him, he got an opportunity. He put the ball on the turf a couple times, and some coaches, right, wrong, and different, you know, they slap that scarlet letter on you. We saw this happen to Amir Abdullah, you know, and that kind of gets to be who you are for the rest of your career. So I don't think it's anything talent-wise. I just think that, you know, he put the ball on the turf. He's not truly a good pass catcher. Like, he's not dynamic in that regard. He's not a Deion Lewis. He's not a Saquon Barkley. So you look at him, it's like, man, he may put the ball on the ground. Doesn't really give you much explosiveness in the backfield or as a receiver. He's a good special teamer. You know, so do we really want to go down that road? Or we? that's why you see them see them looking elsewhere for um, for someone. I mean, hell, you saw last year, even though it was due to injury, uh, Jonathan Hilleman got, got an opportunity to get out there and play. Yeah. Um, he was an undrafted free agent, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them call him back. You know, he was out there earlier in the offseason program uh, and got released before they went to, you know, he got cut before they, you know, had to whittle down to 80 or, or 90, I think it was 80 before, before camp started. So he's he's out there, and you know he's someone that they could talk to. So, you know, there's options in it, and it seems like none of them involves Wayne Gallman. Um, I got a few questions popping off of this for you, actually. Uh, you mentioned, you know, dropping the fumbling the ball a couple times, and that being an issue. Uh, you were college running back, and you've actually kind of gone through two of these things. I want to ask about uh, number one. Um, did you have a fumbling problem? Like I know, like Tiki Barber had a fumbling problem. It seems like at some point people have fumbling problems. How do you fix? How do you fix that? I mean, is is does it mess you up because you're kind of 
you, you run a certain way um, your entire life, maybe. And now all of a sudden people are popping the ball out, spiking you with their helmet, you know, jamming you up with their, their arms or whatever. Um, and so you got to, you know, tuck the ball a different way. Does that affect the way that you run? Is it, does that mess you up sometimes maybe more than it helps with the fumbling? It does mess you up. You saw someone, um, remember David Wilson? who? Yeah, yes, I do. Out back, of Virginia Tech. Flips. Exactly. And it was tremendous. A first round pick for the Giants. And he had the one fumble, you know, with Tom Coughlin. And Coughlin was like, oh, you got to hold the ball. This don't fumble my football. Put him on the bench until he was able to get him out, you know, put him back in the game. And you saw him, you know, run with both arms around the football. But that takes away your natural ability as a runner takes away what made him special his explosive speed and because he was running with an exaggerated running style he gets himself hurt and hurts his neck and his career was over you know um because of that you saw tiki barber when he was at virginia you know it was real like he had he had good shiftiness good elusiveness he was fluid you saw him with the giants early on in his career fluid then he started putting the ball on the ground then he started with that stupid over exaggerated high and tight where he's really just running with one arm and he lost that – it made all his runs look dumb to where you just – you really – I think that's why he doesn't get the love he gets now, you know, looking back on it like, man, remember when Tiki Bar was running the ball? He, he was so great of a runner because he was running with that stupid, over-exaggerated, high and tight, you know, that took away a lot of his movement and just made him just look like a dumb back, you know, even though I think Tiki should be a Hall of Famer. Uh I just hate he had to over exaggerate that that style, you know, for holding the football because of a fumbling issue. So yes, it can affect you and how you run if you don't worry about it. Some coaches, I know uh, at Florida, when I was in going through high school, you know, coaches tell you switch the ball to your outside arm when you when you're near the sideline. And I remember watching Warwick done at Florida State and thinking like, man, why are they doing it so wrong? You know, he only carries the ball in one one arm. And then I found out, you know when I talked to Florida state's coaches um, that was recruiting me at the time, I asked him about that. He's like, Oh, we teach our guys to put the ball in your dominant hand and just leave it there. That way we know you're going to hold on to the football. It makes sense. You know, yeah. I could see both schools of thought. Um, but you know, cause you see some guys fumble the football when they're trying to switch arms or let's say you're right-handed, I'm right-handed and I put the arm in my left hand. I do feel a difference of man. I don't have as, secure of a grip on this ball like I would in my right hand like it's just you know you just it's just a weird feel um a unique feel I would say so yes it does if you are able to like once you get one fumble you're constantly thinking about it that's why I love what Doug Peterson did in the game against the Rams when Miles Sanders fumbled the next series he went back in there and gave him the ball he didn't bench him he didn't banish him to the sideline and try to teach him a lesson like yo get the football show you can do and he ended up having a good day. Stuff happens, right? It does, man. Yeah. So it's 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 weird. Like, you know, sometimes it could be because of, you know, the weather conditions. Or maybe like in Sanders' case, you have a sleeve, you know, long sleeves on. Um, and that can happen. Or you're perspiring and you got, you, you know, your heavy sweater. So it uh, the ball gets slick. and so Or someone just catches you at the right time. Let's say you're falling to the ground. And there's that half a second where the ball is extended away from your body as you're falling down to break your fall, maybe with the back of your hand or your wrist, and somebody just comes in and pops it out. Right. I mean, you're talking about guys who are making millions of dollars, working out all day, strengthening their arms just to give a little uppercut jab to the football 
full of air. And you're telling me that's not going to pop out once in a while, even to the best guys. Yeah. I, I mean, you saw it in the Marshall Appalachian State game where the tight end caught the ball on fourth and inches. Marshall sold out versus the run. Tight end was wide open. That was a key part in the game. So he's racing to the end zone. He's about five yards away. The guy from Marshall tracks him down, grabs the, the left shoulder, reaches with his right arm, and just pops the ball out, bounces in the end zone, touchback. And the guy was trying to, you know, swing it to, you know, to his chest so he could protect himself. But as he went for that swing, it was just the perfect time of punching that ball out. And, you know, the way his his wrist was was uh, cuffing the ball, that ball popped out cleanly and it, you know, bounced into the end zone. Uh, before I get into the, the second part of this, I, let me just, like, when you're watching football now, like, you've brought up, like, five different actual scenarios of someone watching a full game and not, like, red zone uh, or, <laughs> or college red zone. Uh, is it, like, are you still able to just sit on the couch and have a snack and watch it? Or do you, are you, like, at a desk? four monitors notepad like how, how is this how does Emory watch a game I'm sit usually I'm if I'm not at a game so if I'm like now because of COVID I'm not at any games on game day uh so I'm sitting here I have a main TV where I have like the the games that are on the local channels whether it's CBS and Fox and I have my laptop sitting on my couch or on my lap and I'm stretched out like you know watching the uh Sunday ticket with the four box window so nice. keep, you know, I, I give everybody at least a, a series or two, then I switch games, you know, and so that way I'm, I'm kind of constantly seeing what's sort of going on. Some games I, I have a little bit more vested interest in because I know the narratives want to get out there. For instance, when it was the Sean Watson's rookie year, um, Lamar Jackson's rookie year, the Sean Kaiser's rookie year, uh, when Mahomes was starting for the first time, all of the Wayne Haskins starts. Yes. Um, we got to talk about him in a little while. Yeah, I got to watch all the game. So that game never changes because I know the narratives. You know, uh, a black quarterback's incompletions are 40 times worse than a white quarterback's incompletions. You know, a white quarterback is throwing the ball away, living to play another down. Black quarterback is doing the same thing. But it's, wow, look how far above the head of the receiver he threw that football. Yeah, he was throwing it out of bounds, throwing it away. But, yeah. So I got to make sure I watch the games to get the right narrative. You know, I still think it's so, funny that people think Dwayne Haskins. Not funny, maybe it's sad that he's a running quarterback. I don't know why. I just, I, I, I mean, I know why. I know why. Yeah, yeah. I just nothing about his body type says run. Like he got the legitimately, he got the legitimate football version of Carmelo Anthony body. Like, <laughs> you know, he works out. It's like, man, you have no muscles, bro. Like, but I see you in the gym, so I know you're working out. You just got the Carmelo Anthony body, the out of shape Batman body. You know, you got that's what that's how you built. It, it works. Hey, it works, you know. Yeah, it works. Well, Adam I mean, West. It, it will. You know what? Let's get. I'll I'll come back to the other stuff, but I want to get on Haskins now. Since you you well, we brought us there. Uh, I know in your latest column, you put a uh, shined a light, I guess, on the Washington offense and what's wrong and how they can fix it. And it seemed pretty optimistic that you're like, yeah, this can be fixed. Like once they figure out that Haskins game is up tempo, um, and I think. I think Washington's smart enough to figure that out. I got yeah. a feeling they have really good coaches there. Um, but you mentioned Scott Turner. I thought this was an, an excellent sentence. And congratulations to everyone listening on iTunes or wherever. If you're not a subscriber, you're getting a free Emory Hunt sentence out of this one. You said Scott Turner looks like he's more like he's calling plays than running the offense. And so you're saying there's no flow to it, really, right? There's no kind of harmony. There's no melody to it. It's just here's number one. Here's number two. Here's number three. And there's like no context or connection to it. 
Yes, no context, no con- no connection, no uh, fluidness. Prime example, look at the Rams offense and look how much of a well-oiled machine it, it is. And it looks like, okay, they got a plan. They run the outside zone. Here comes a play action. They dump off to the tight end. Okay, they come back now with that play action and they don't go to the tight end. They go to the guy behind the tight end. Or this time they're giving it to the uh, the running back on that which on that handoff and they're faking it, that boot action. So it all flows together. Or this time they fake the, the, the handoff fake the pass to the outlet tight end, come back across the field to the tight end that was leaked across the formation down the sideline for a touchdown. So all of those three plays are all tied into the one initial run play. You know, so you have like, you know, uh, package plays as we call them. And I feel like for Washington, it's like, okay, this is our, let's try to run this. Let's, let's, okay, that play didn't work. Okay, let's try to get him with this. And it doesn't set up. Like you would think, with the way Dwayne Haskins and the passing game operates when they go up tempo, like those slants are killer. He seems to be consistently accurate on those slants or those quick in breaking routes to McLaurin or Inman or one of those players. You would think the next progression in that would be what the sluggo, the slanting up, you know, slant and go, you know, cause they're going to start jumping those slants. Now you have a chance to hit the sluggo or they run the slant flat combination with the flat being the running back leaking out the backfield. The next progression in that would be the slant flat and up like, or the wheel route. So you want the running back to run out like he's going to flat. They jump that flat. He takes it down the sideline. Haskins has to make a bucket throw. So you want to see some layers in that. Even in the run game, you want to see the, they run zone read but they don't have the boot action off of it. You want to start seeing it. If you're going to run the zone read, have Haskins boot out to hopefully take away that backside defender to not chase down the run. And if he boots out enough after each zone read, now you have the situation where that uh, tight end on the front side is going to block down, try to, you know, seal the edge for the run, but he's leaking back across to meet Haskins on the boot. And that's an easy throw for Haskins to have success. You see what I'm saying? So I just feel like personally they're calling plays and it's not allowing the QB or the offensive line to get into a rhythm. Cause stop calling these long developing plays when you know your offensive line can't pass protect. And now Haskins is under the rest in the pocket and the ball comes out quick and errant just to get rid of it and not take the sack. That's why you see those early incompletions is not because Haskett is inaccurate. It's like, I got to get rid of this football because I'm going to get sacked or I'm getting hit as I'm throwing. Um, and it's all because of the long developing dropbacks. And if you know that your, your offense can't protect, stop asking them to do it. You know, that's why you see the O line look a lot better when they go quick. You don't give them time to mess up. I, uh, well, I'm obviously an investor in Dwayne Haskins rookie cards now, just to, just to have more fun with the season, I suppose. Um, also got some Bryce love. Uh, but you know, I gotta actually sit and watch. Who they pl- they're playing the Browns this week. I gotta watch a full game because I really I'm like I'm I'm not just buying the Haskins cards and I got like four of them. It's not like you know I bought a thousand Dwayne Haskins cards, but um, you know for me like forty bucks for a card is a big deal. Uh, so I'm like I'm I'm really like rooting for him anyway. But I just feel good when I buy the card. Like I got a good feeling that he's going to get some three hundred yard games in there and really turn it around. Uh, but you made these great points that you know they got rid of. They're two started. Well, basically, guys they had to get rid of. But I mean, Peterson they cut and they didn't have to do that. Um, and you go into like how Antonio Gibson. Everybody loves Antonio Gibson right now. Like everybody. 
And you kind of, I haven't heard anyone say like a bad word about him. And you've kind of gone in and said, look, he's not bad. He's just not ready, right? Like it's, he's kind of, he has a minor role in maybe messing up this offense a little bit. Peyton Barber should be running more. And then, you know, of course, some commenters, fantasy people don't like Peyton Barber, but I don't think, I don't think they got what you were trying to say. Yeah. And if you go back and watch the Washington game against Arizona and watch every carry that Gibson got, juxtaposed to every carry that J.D. McKissick got, you just feel better about McKissick in the run game. You're like, okay, he's seeing it, and he's able to get there. He's able to quickly make a cut and and get to that backside, or he's able to quickly mash the gas and stay frontside. With Gibson, it looks like he's trying to figure it out as he's going along, and he's finding himself leaving his feet to make a jump cut or looking sloppy, getting through the line of scrimmage and stumbling and fumbling and Fumbling, not in, and I'm talking about not the ball, but just like fumbling over his steps. It just right, looks right. doesn't look fluid as a runner. It's like, man, it's it has it. It's hard for him. He's working way too hard to gain positive yards, and it's throwing off the offense. There was one play in particular. I want to say it was in the maybe it was the first or second quarter, early in the second quarter, where there was a cutback, and he missed it, and it was it was you know stopped for like one yard gain. I'm like, come on, man, like you got to be able to hit that. And now they're backed up, starting long. Ball has to come out quick. It comes out short, and they get off the field. But when McKissick was in the game, when they when they finally got their first touchdown, the offense was moving quick, quick, quick. And McKissick was able to keep the play front side, running well, allowing the passing game to set up. Now your play action game has a little bit more juice to it. So he keeps the offense on pace. And right now they're trying too hard to make Gibson the story, and Gibson just is not getting it done. You know, and I know they're I know people are enamored with his his the pieces of him. Like, oh, he's got a good athleticism. Oh, he can catch a football. He was a former wide receiver. Oh, he ran this in the 40. Oh, he did he did this on his 33 runs at at Missouri. I mean at uh, Memphis. But if you put it all together, you're expecting it sounds like you're expecting someone like Marshall Falk, you know, or someone like uh Christian McCaffrey or someone like that. And he's not even David Johnson yet. You know, it's like He's just a sum of all parts. He's better right now as a comp. Okay, bring him in, maybe with another back, and let him run a route. You know, get him comfortable first. That way you can space out that that defense a little bit more. Now you're able to make the picture a bit clearer for him in the run game, and then he can start to have success and build a confidence and start to find his continuity. Is he? Is this something like um, – this is different than I, – I always go back to Bishop Sankey. Uh, you know, they said, like, he just can't get his footwork right. And then, you know – it sounded kind of silly, but it's really like you have to have that timing, like step one, step two, step three, take the ball, go. Um, that, it's, that's not something like this. This is something that like he, he'll just get there. It's, it's not like he, he can't get the hang of something, right? It's something like what people just assume they, the Bears are going to get this 1,200-yard rusher out of Kadero Patterson. Yeah, it's, it, it looks good because, yeah, he's big, he's strong. He had this one good run against the Patriots. But you see what happens when they try to make him the running back and try to – it just doesn't work. Because the the position is different. It's different when you're, you know, a punt returner or a kickoff returner. When you have a lane, you're just accelerating through it. Or, you know, you're a receiver getting an end around, you know, or maybe a jet sweep or something like that. It's different when you are dotting that eye behind the quarterback and have to make the front side, the back side reads and have to make those quick, sudden decisions. That's almost like muscle memory. And if you hadn't had to do that, Let's say in, in Patterson's case, maybe since high school, 
you're not going to pick that up at the NFL level because your body just doesn't naturally react to things like that, um, like a running back would. And, and that's the issue, I think, when people think or say, oh, just put him at running back. He should be good at, at the position. You know, he'll be good a good running back. Uh, has he played the position before? How long has he played the position? He's still learning. You know, the best thing I think that happened for Naheem Hines was him going from full-time wide receiver at NC State to playing his last season at NC State as a full-time running back. He got those hours in, and now it makes him the ultimate weapon, you know, as a pro because he he's able to line up in the slot and run routes, but also has the capabilities to still be a tailback that could dot the eye and be successful down in, down out. Okay, you know what? Uh, I actually wanted to ask you about Naheem Hines and what happened, but uh, I want to give a shout out to a couple of sponsors who are back. Uh, and look, th- these might not be for you. They might be. I don't know. But like, if they are, and if you know, this is all I'm asking. These guys are supporting the show, and they like this, and they like Emery, and they like what we're doing here. So you know, if you're looking to manscape, if you're looking for some erectile dysfunction help, check out these two companies. Uh, you know. If you don't know what Manscaped is, have a listen. They're actually a very legit, um, refined company that has very good products. So uh, just give us a couple minutes. Give them some thanks. Have a listen. Relax. Pour yourself a glass of something. And we're going to be right back with some Naheem Hines. So talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball. GetRoman.com slash FantasyFootball. So thank you to Roman uh, for keeping this show alive and well. And now it's on to Manscaped. Fantasy football season's here. Due to quarantine, it's very possible you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. Although, let me interject just for a second. Emory Hunt is probably one of the greatest uh, handicappers in the world, I would say. The numbers prove it. Anyway, we're talking about Manscaped. Uh, the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. And look, like th- I know this is written kind of goofy, but they ha- they have technology that they've developed that are actually geared toward lessening the nicks on your skin. Snags will be reduced. They got ceramic blades, skin safe technology. They don't just stop- the lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof. It's got a light on it. Um, it's it's obviously a very well thought out piece of technology that is supposed to help you uh, with your manscaping. But they complement it pretty well, I think. Uh, the Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner and made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Um, they actually sent some of the hosts here, not me, but they sent some of the hosts. I don't, you know, I don't manscape, but if I did, I, this seems very impressive, and I got some testimonials from people who actually got the boxers 
which I believe are called the Perfect Package 3.0. Um, they're boxer briefs, and someone said they were, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was DVR, said they were amazing. So, anyway, uh, for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, which is worth $39, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. There you go. Manscaped Boxer Briefs. People love them. Or the people I've talked to, at least, who've gotten them for free. Uh, they said it was worth it if they would have paid, though. So anyway, get 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com, The Athletic. Get 20% off and free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash The Athletic. That's 20% off with free shipping when you go to manscaped.com slash The Athletic. It's time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties with Manscaped. Okay, we are back, and we're going to talk Naheem Hines. Emery, uh, you teased him, and uh, you know he was, he was on here anyway. Uh, as is Curtis Samuel. I want to talk a little Austin Hooper. Uh, maybe we'll get to Josh Allen. Maybe not. I don't care. But I think like it's worth diving into Naheem Hines and what happened in week two because a lot of people, fantasy circles, talking about dropping Naheem Hines. Like, I, not even, it's not even like, oh, I got to drop Naheem Hines in order to make room for Mike Davis. It's, I got to drop Naheem Hines. He was terrible. Um, and we reached out to our Colts writer, Stephen Holder, and he's like, hey, man, this is what Frank Reich's going to do. Uh, but I, st- I still think like something just wasn't right. Like maybe he hurt his pinky or maybe he was feeling sick and he did like something like that because you just don't go from what you did the last two years with the same coaching staff and totally drop off, right? Or do you? The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, I, you know. Feel free to tell me I'm wrong if I'm crazy here. Yeah, here's the thing. Like people bail so quickly on players in fantasy. I've never seen the high variance of buy Naheem Hines. And that afternoon, sell Naheem Hines. It was like, yo, chill. Like, yeah. have patience. Always bet on talent. But it's funny to see the, you know, it's funny to see that the, the masses go from seeing something and happening, like seeing visual, uh, physical evidence of Naheem, Naheem Hines being dynamic and making plays to the belief that a magical, you know, fairy football running back God of Antonio Gibson will happen. Oh, we just know this is going to happen. You know, right. We just know Cam Akers is going to be the guy over Daryl Henderson. We just, oh, that's another know one we got to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I brought him up. Um, I should, <laughs> you can, you I know, you can it, write these names in the rundown if you'd like before the show. I should have left another free space in the article. Um, we'll save it for next week. Maybe he'll have yeah, another good game. Yeah, he will. Or he will have uh, another good game. Sorry. Always bet on talent. And so, you know, you look at the fact that Hines probably just wasn't in the matchup this week because the offense of the Colts really didn't have to do much to play Kirk Cousins. So they, I mean, who in history has had back-to-back games or three consecutive games where he gave up a safety? Like, man, he is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so maybe this week they just were like, you know what, man, we're just gonna try to get Jonathan Taylor in the groove because we got this game in the bag. We're playing Kirk Cousins. You know, we are we got two points in the analytics show. When you have a safety, you are more than likely to win the ball game. Um And you love analytics. I love listen, if I could eat analytics for breakfast, I would. <laughs> like love it. Um although, sidebar, uh since you brought it <laughs> with some syrup, yeah. yeah. Uh, Burr Rabbit. Um, sidebar. Uh, 
I know everyone is jumping the to, to you know jumping on Mina Kimes to defending what she said about the Cowboys going for two, and a lot of people love the go for two thing. But here's what I don't understand. I understand both sides of it. Yeah, go for two. You know, try to make it seven points instead of eight points. So therefore, you just need a touchdown and the extra point to win or a tie. I get it. Um, but I also get not going for two and, and making it an eight point game because in my in my coaching mind. You have to understand your offense. The paper may say, in this situation, go for two. The analytics may say, in this situation, go for two. The chart, the laminated chart may say, in this situation, go for two. But you just watched your offense work hard as hell to get three yards for a touchdown. You think, I trust this offense to go back out there again right? and then get two yards? Right. <laughs> no. And what happened? They missed it. You know what I'm saying? So if the offense went down there like a hot knife through butter and got into the end zone quickly, go for two because your offense seems to be working. But the Falcons was was really owning up front. And they and the Cowboys worked extremely hard to get that touchdown to cut it to 30 to 39. Like, why would you go for two in that situation knowing you man, give your offense a break, man? Like, let's just kick the extra point. Right. Let's get let's get them coached up on the side. And we'll take our chances. Maybe our O-line will do a better job. Or maybe we will have a better play call ready for if we score again and go for two. And we wouldn't have to have had been in the uh, onside kick situation. Um, so I get both. I get the mean and kind side of it because the numbers do make sense. Um, but it all depends on if you how your offense was playing. You know, you don't go for two just for the sake of going for two just because the chart says so. If your offense was struggling – you know what, man? It may it now may not be the time to do it because your offense needs a break. Tell you what, man. And since we're all sidebarring here, I'm gonna sidebar on that. I like Mina Kimes a lot. Like I usually kind of like, oh, these ESPN mainstream, whatever, whatever. They got too big, but she's like, she hasn't turned into like that ESPN mainstreamer yet. Like, you know, if that makes sense. Like she's still kind of the Mina Kimes that was doing a fantasy show with Eric Carabell three years ago. She's nice and normal and smart. I like her. I like her a lot. She does a good job. Yeah, she does a good job. Uh, that's she's constantly got. on too. They have her on. They have her on a lot. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's you know, you get too much of that, and it all becomes like she, you know, I don't know. You know she, who they don't have on a lot? Emery Hunt. No, 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 no. No, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not. Gonna, know, I'm not I'm, I, I'll tell CBS. you off. You're in the CBS family. <laughs> I'll tell I'll tell you I'll tell you off air. <laughs> All, right. Uh, All right. Well, show's over, everyone. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know where we want to go with this. So Leonard Fournette, I think we know what Leonard Fournette is now. Um, Somebody asked a great question in the chat about that. They asked about what do I think of him over Ronald Jones. Well, I was like, you know what? To Ronald Jones' credit, he hadn't slacked off. He's he's proven that hey, I still deserve some carries in his offense, and you know, Brady's arm strength. Uh, you know, is isn't what it is, and Fournette just gonna as Fournette gets more comfortable with the offense. Remember, he just got there, so probably Fournette by the middle of the season is gonna be the guy. But right now, Ronald Jones is still a, a a solid play for you if you have him. And I brought up Brady's arm strength because he hated on uh, my guy Justin Watson's touchdown. Watson had the entire state of Carolina beat by like seventeen yards, and Brady underthrew a ball so bad that. Watson had to stop, turn around, field it like a punt, and got tackled. <laughs> it would have been a touchdown. He would have been outstanding. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big Justin Watson fan. 
uh, out of Penn. You wrote about him like two years ago. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so. Always been on talent. Yeah, always been on talent. And when you just sit and wait and let stuff play out, it happens for you. Uh, but Brady's arm, I think that the deep ball is going to, it's not as bad as the Saints trying to throw deep. And you saw that last night against the Raiders. They really can't throw anything over seven and a half yards, maybe seven and three quarters. But that that's the limit um, for Drew Brees' arm strength right now. So they're going to be playing a lot of small ball uh, up on offense moving forward. But I think Ronald Jones and Fournette can both be productive. That's a good thing. They have to be, right? Yeah, they kind of have to be. By the way, Justin Watson, uh, I just pulled this up because I remember that stat I should have thrown in the rundown. Um, last week, uh, 64% of snaps off special teams, 16% in the offense that flip-flopped, 89% of the snaps he played, 89 of the offensive snaps this week, uh, and only 16% on special teams. So they kept his energy for the, uh, for the actual offense, which was nice. There, there you go. There you go. Uh, Curtis Samuel, I want to get into. Uh, although, if you don't think it's worth it, I'll give you the choice, Curtis Samuel or Austin Hooper. Because you wrote about Austin Hooper, and I have him on a couple teams, so I'm kind of selfishly like, I'm going to keep another week because of the effusive praise you heaped on what could be coming. Um, or Curtis Samuel, because the whole Carolina situation I find very interesting, and maybe he runs a little bit. There you and, go. And I'm staring at his rookie card. Yeah, here's I'll give you both answers. All right. Curtis, I, I did a prop bet last week on CBS uh, Sports HQ where they asked, Curtis Samuel plus three and a half receptions in the game. Like, that's fairly easy. He should be able to do that. But I don't think he did it this past Sunday, right? Um, but I do think now with Mike Davis being the guy in Carolina, and Carolina's offense isn't bad at all. Bridgewater's turnovers were the difference in that game, in my opinion. Um, and if he doesn't turn the ball over, which he normally doesn't do, then the offense will be fine. And now we probably, like you said, we'll see more Curtis Samuel running the football or touching the ball at least hey, a little four, bit more in that regard. this week. Oh, so he did go over three and a half, so I was right on that one. Yeah, that was man. Plus, look at that. Prop bet city. Um, and for Hooper, again, if if I'm seeing it like Stefanski is seeing it, the Browns' run game is how they can win this season, which means the play-action passing game is going to be thriving, which means for Baker Mayfield, he'll, he'll have his best ball opportunities with Beckham and Landry, but his consistent opportunities will probably go to Hooper. And if teams start to, if they're running a lot of double tight, a lot of ace formation, which is two tight ends, uh, two receivers in the back, whether that's Hunt or Chubb, that second tight end is going to be uh, the rookie Harrison Bryant, who's as good as Hooper, in my opinion, as a receiver. He's going to get some opportunities, maybe not as a tight end one, but definitely as someone that could, you could probably throw into your flex later on in the season, you know, cause he's still a rookie, but I like Hooper in that offense if, if, big if, bold print, uh, italicized as well. You want to underline Stefanski. that? Would you like to underline it? Yeah, underline All it. Right. And and increase the font to like 18. I could put from, some asterisks around it too if you'd like. That too. I like that too. Yeah, I like when you do that. Yeah, it makes it stand out. Exactly. Yeah, okay. The bolder. Um, so would roll you, with you draw him. the line of the yellow highlight? You could No, make it like uh, fuchsia. <laughs> Sometimes that's too – okay, fair enough. Let's do it. Shadow it too. There's your. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's like some word art too, sir. I can curve it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, uh, and I, I think Hooper should benefit in the in a run based play action pass based offense. I, I just hope they don't go out there and try to go back to what they try to do week one. Week two offense is how they should handle moving forward. 
And that may be the best bet to do this week against Washington because we know how Baker does versus pressure. You don't want to put Baker in a situation where he's dropping back versus Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, Montez Sweat, and the rest of those dudes out there. You want to turn those pass rushers into run defenders. Make them stop the run all game long. I think you'll see the same game plan this week versus Washington that we saw against Cincinnati. You know what I don't get? Why more people weren't on the Washington defense? Like, I was getting the Washington defense. Once I figured out what was going on and everyone was passing on him, I'm like, are you, like, do you guys understand like who their coach is, who their defensive coordinator is, and who they picked in the draft? And it just like and what was there? Like I just don't understand why everyone wasn't all over the Washington defense. Maybe because there's no preseason ev- to see it. No, because everybody in the in the community was writing about Antonio Gibson, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey being number one. Um, who else was dominating the stories? Lamar Jackson, who would have no Lamar Jackson told you he can throw those same people that wrote that he couldn't throw and now saying <laughs> yeah. told you he could throw. Um and Pat Mahomes. That was the that was all of the conversation all offseason. Washington defense is great. It is. Outside of the outside of the back seven, there's a lot of questions on the back seven. Like Troy Apke was getting, you know, abused on Sunday. Landon Collins has a mental bust every game. Right. It ends up turning into a big play. And on the corners, it's just thin. Hopefully, I thought they were going to get Kendall Fuller back this past week, um, and they made him a game-time scratch. So maybe this week against Cleveland, he gets back out there, which could potentially help them against you know Beckham and Landry um, and should be able to help them pressure the quarterback. This defense is probably going to get better because we'll probably see – uh, Reuben Foster toward the back end of the season, like the, after the bye, he's tremendous. They need help at linebacker too. So point is Baker Mayfield shouldn't be dropping back to pass against his defense. Yeah. And I look, it's, it's something where I've like fantasy. We sometimes mess it up with reality, but all I need are sacks and interceptions. And if you're sacking Baker Mayfield and you're rushing him and he's doing bad throws and you're getting like two interceptions out of that, I'm happy. That's enough points for me, for my defense. Yeah. I'm good. Um, all right, man, like, this is a good show. I like it. We got to end it, unfortunately. We've hit the 45-minute mark. Yeah, it's tough, man, but this is what the people want, man. The people got a good 45 minutes out of us. I hope they got some good information. I'd be interested to see what the feedback is because, yeah, I know people love it and they listen to it. We constantly get sponsors every week and new sponsors. But I hope we're giving the people what they want. You know, so. more you know of Nando. We have it. We actually have an email. I think you hit fantasypods at theathletic.com. I know this works for the baseball show. I assume it works for the football one. Uh, fantasypods at theathletic.com. If you want to let us know how we're doing, you want to hear more of, or if you just got a question, if you want to send a question in for Emery to answer, dude, it could be as specific as a player coming up next week, or it could be as broad as, uh, you know, what does what does a, a circle route mean? Something like that. Feel free. Like, we're here to help. We are nothing without uh, the connection. If we're just saying stuff that doesn't help anybody, you're not The people care. make it fun, man. Yeah, people, people make it fun. People make it fun. The comments, even though we may rag and do some jokes about it, the people make it fun, man. Like, the comments, good or bad, it's all, it's all fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, for the great Emery Hunt, I'm Nana Defino. This has been the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Want to shout out again, uh, Roman, GetRoman.com slash Fantasy Football and Manscaped, Manscaped.com slash The Athletic. You guys are awesome. We love you. We love everybody listening. We'll see you next week.